0: KPFA Radio presents Music of the World, a show that explores diverse music from all over, featuring interviews as well as live studio concerts, hosted by Joanna Manqueros and Tafiq Halaby. Please enjoy this episode of Music of the World that previously aired live on KPFA Radio.
1: Joanna Manqueros here with you for Music of the World. Performance studio with the World Harmony Chorus. Take it away.
2: So I no. no. That's <laughs>
1: Chorus live here in the KPFA Performance Studio. Thank you all so much for coming in this morning. It's a pleasure to have a live concert here. And the director of the World Harmony Chorus is Betsy Blakesley. And uh, she's taught singing and directed this chorus for about 25 years, as far as I know. And um, she's also led something called the Expressive Arts Refuge, a program for refugee youth in Bosnia and Croatia during the wars of the 90s. And since 2016, her Expressive Arts Refuge team with Maura Smiley have been running similar programs at refugee camps in France, Greece, and Lebanon. Welcome, Betsy.
3: Thank you, Joanna.
1: So do you want to tell me a little bit about that piece?
3: yes. That was Sabor Ami. It's a um, popular Mexican bolero composed by Alvaro Carrillo, recorded by Idie Gourmet, Jose Feliciano, Gloria Estefan, Los Lobos, lots of groups. And uh, just a brief translation, our souls have been entwined so much that I keep the taste of you. I give goodness, I'm poor, what else could I give?
1: OK. Wow. Um, Well, you know, one of the things that you do is you get the chorus into the culture and the sounds of each song, right? What are some of the challenges in doing that and specifically with that piece?
3: So every piece comes from a distinct culture, although some pieces have migrated to neighboring countries and have versions in a different dialect, a different language, the melody can change, harmonies and rhythms can change. So that piece, because it came from Mexico, we had help from Linda Hirschfeld, who's from Mexico. So she helped us with pronunciation, since for many of us, including me, it's sometimes difficult to remember which version of Spanish goes with which Culture. So, what we do is try to understand just enough of the culture and the language and the rhythms um, so that we have a little bit of context. And what happens is that some choristers will do a little bit of research and find out more about that style of music. Some people may have been to the country uh, whose music we're singing, some not, so that the music becomes accessible um, without feeling like we're expropriating.
1: In your experience, what's one of the most difficult languages you've had the chorus sing in?
3: I, I think it varies for each person. So some people who know a, a romance language do fine with all of the romance languages because they're related. Other people who have not had any Spanish, French, Portuguese in their background can struggle with those languages. And For me, the Balkan languages are fairly easy because I've spent time in Bosnia and Croatia, but for many choristers, those words uh, don't have much to anchor with in terms of how they look, how they sound. Um, We've done a piece in Arabic. We had Tofiq's help on that pronunciation. Uh, And... um, some, we haven't for quite a while done a piece with one of the African click languages. The clicks are a little hard because it's like flicking peanut butter off the roof of your mouth, and there are different kinds of clicks, and it's better to get them right or not to expropriate songs for which we don't have quite enough understanding to pull them off well and be respectful.
1: That's an interesting point. Well, what do you have next for us?
3: We have Babayetu, which is the Lord's Prayer in Swahili, and our arrangement comes from a Kenyan a cappella group called Five Live via an English group called Black Voices.
1: Thank you so much for that piece um, in Swahili and you know I was thinking when I was listening to that that the piece obviously has four parts and uh, all of the pieces I think have four parts but do you ever have a song where you feel maybe it would be better with two parts or one part or three parts
3: oh it's such a good question I mean music has so many functions it's for me Primary function is to bring people together. Um, and so when people sing together, from my point of view, the more parts the better, provided they're arranged in such a way and there's plenty of time to steep oneself in them so that you can hear how they fit together as well as learning your own part. Some pieces can sound really nice if they're a cappella with fewer than four parts, but with a cappella, arrangements which is what our founder Daniel Steinberg makes for us it's more interesting to get four parts because they can one of them can represent a rhythmic part while another part is is representing a melody and another part's on a harmonies that melody and a third part is on a separate rhythm or an echo so there's more possibilities to bring more of the arrangement from the original song, the source recording, into the voices, if there are four parts, which is, I think, why Daniel and I really like working with four parts. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of complexity in it. Yeah. Okay, and um, one of the things that's interesting to me is your work with refugees. Why did you get involved in that in the first place?
3: So back in the 90s, there was a war in the Balkans, and a friend approached me and said, we're looking for a music teacher for a summer camp for kids who need a respite from the war. I'm gonna go teach art. My friends organized the camp. She already did it last year. Well, they need a music teacher, so I thought of you. And so I said, okay. And I went thinking it would be for one summer, but there was such a rich experience using music to uplift people's spirits, bring them together, give them a sense of self-expression and accomplishment, that I kept going back and then running my own programs in Bosnia and Croatia. And then over the years, some years didn't do that, and then in the last few years have been doing that, where I've been taking teams of Arabic speakers, educators, and musicians to various refugee camps in the Eastern Hemisphere where we provide a platform for refugee musicians, most of whom have not had a chance to perform since they left home, and to provide classes for kids, music classes, and for adults.
1: Wow, it sounds really exciting, and also maybe a little bit overwhelming.
3: Oh, yeah, there's a lot of debriefing over wine in the evenings, Um, and it's poignant and... It's exciting. It's intense. There's a lot of confusion uh, about trying to understand what's going on and because there are other cultures trying to make their way in yet another culture. And then I come from yet a third culture. So there's a lot of cultural collision. And it's really a tribute to the, the patience and resilience of refugees that they can make a go of it in another country and can participate in an expressive arts project.
1: I know you were part of that uh, group, the the Calais Jungle, but then the the whole thing got destroyed, right, by the French government and things like that. That must have been weird to have the whole thing disperse after you had worked with those people.
3: Yes, it was. It was a, a very interesting and exciting, and often sad and chaotic experiment. But it was a very interesting experiment about what happens when a number of refugees, in this case from 22 countries, 8,000 people take over or squat on a abandoned piece of land and make a village. So they actually made a village. And most of the time, it worked. And a lot of volunteers loved being around the energy. So they would come from England, and I brought the group from the States. and. People would call, map maker came from Germany, and then there were some people who came into theater from England, and um, th- lots of people came and taught English or French. Or uh, they built a mosque, they built a church. Um, there was a Belgian monk who came and gave services and started a little hospitality house in town for refugees wanting to stay in France, and so all kinds of exciting things were happening, and then the French authorities did demolish it. And I'm actually finishing a book now about that with a co-author who's Iranian, who was a refugee then and is now quite an impressive person.
1: Wow, all of that's in my mind because of what's been happening in France after that teenager got messed with. You know, the delivery driver, the whole chorus is nodding to me. Yeah, and you know what I want to do on the next piece? I hope it's not awkward for people, but I want you all to clap and this is so that the listening audience has a sense of how many people are in here because after you sing, you know, some people are doing errands as they're listening, they don't even know this is really live. And so if you clap, they're going to know how many people are in here. Okay, so
3: we will clap at the end of a song from Ukraine called Oyukhayu. It's a folk song from the 1600s when the Turks were trying to conquer Ukraine and um it's A a song about a nightingale in a grove by the Danube, and the Danube is a stand-in for any river, a nightingale sings. And you find folk songs with a bird or often a nightingale in a lot of countries where they don't feel freedom because the bird represents the freedom.
1: Oh,
4: you high you, three,
2: two, nine, you, solo, beans for you, suple, she do, don't be each solo, be. Means yeah. for oh, oh, you, Super not be chop, Means for you, do you are. Mili mi guliaie. Yop chok chok, i chok chok chok, ta muzikah raje. Bas kude skripka plache. Mili mi guliaie. Yop chok chok, i chok chok chok, Sri Kabra Sude Sri Klache believe me
1: who And if you just if you just joined us and I think my mic's not on but it will be soon. If you just joined us, this is the World Harmony Chorus, and the World Harmony Chorus, and they've been performing live this morning. They just did a piece in Ukrainian. And I'm here speaking with the director, Betsy Blakesley. Uh, Betsy, one question I have for you is, what's the most difficult aspect of directing this chorus? And don't say certain personalities. No, it's not
3: certain personalities. I think the chorus serves a function. For some people, they want to come and do music. They don't really care about the social thing. They already have plenty of friends and family for that. For other people, it's a real community. And so they come and they like to chat during rehearsal, and that can distract some people who are there more for the focused listening. So I think there's always that dance of riding in a community chorus. How um, serious are the rehearsals? And then for me, what becomes challenging is how do I stay with the joy and the pleasure of doing this while I have 15 things in my head and a time constraint around how much music we need to learn and bring to performance level.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of complexity with that. Of the material you're doing now, what's one of your absolute favorites?
3: Well, I love the three we just did. This year's repertoire is really strikingly fun and beautiful, I think. Um, And I'm liking the balance even more than any particular song. I would say what happens for me and most musicians I speak with is that when we're learning a song that song is the one we like the best because we're engaged with it and we're studying it and we're learning the interest, we're seeing little pieces fitting together with other pieces and it gets, um, it stirs the excitement that musicians feel when they're grappling with a piece and trying to go deeply into it. I mean, our next song, Asaya de Carolina, is a tavern song. Tavern songs are really fun for me when I'm traveling. And I'm actually in a tavern or a pub, and people are singing it live. And for us to sing it outside of that context is sometimes not my favorite. On the other hand, it's so fun. And this particular song, even though it's kind of a tavern song, is known by and sung by every child in Galicia, in spite of its double entendres.
4: Hmm.
3: It's called Asaya de Carolina, and it's from Galicia. Uh, There are versions, however, in Portugal and Spain, and translates roughly to Carolina's skirt has a lizard painted on it. When she dances, the lizard wags its tail. Um, And then there's a verse about uh, a priest dance, priest dance. God forgives everything.
2: RAMO, oh, Ramo, oh, Ramo, oh, Ramo, oh, Ramo. Más allá de Carolina, um tengo un largo tu pintado.
0: Canto Carolina, baila,
2: oh, no canto del Ramo. Bailaches, Carolina, bailes, sí si señor. Dime con qué bailaches, bailé con mi amor. Bailé con mi amor, bailé con mi amor. Baila, Césarolina, bale, sí, Señor. A carnaval de no la luna, que en no para palabras ves. Véstece por la cabeza, y es veste por los pies. Baila, Césarolina, bale, sí, Señor. Que me conté la Baila, le con meu amor. Baile con me, amor, baile con me, amor, baila Carolina, baile, sí señor. Oh señor cura, baila, porque tiene una coroa. Baile, señor cura, baila. Que lo que no baile, que desconoyo, perdoa. Baila chescarolina, Carolina, si sale, si se si oh, aunque baila, baile con mero amor. Vale com meu amor, vale com meu amor, vale Carolina, si vale-se Senhor, com meu cabal Carolina,
4: não vou
2: chamar, porque te levanta a soia, e na mala de baixar, fala de escalar, chisca, vale, se sale, sale, fala, gente, vale com meu amor. Carolina, Baila con mi amor, baila con mi amor Baila, Carolina, baila, si, sí, senor La sallada, Carolina, ten un lagato pintado Cuando Carolina baila, no lagato daño bravo. Baila, Carolina, baila, si, sí, senor Dime con quien baila, baila con mi amor si <inaudible> señor.
1: The music of Galicia. Uh, so I was just listening to that song and uh, thinking about the African piece that you all sang and how. It sounds so different, you know, the, the way that it's sung. And I wanted you to just comment on how you teach the singers to have a different sound for each of these different regions, you know, of the, the world.
3: It's, um, it's a good question. The language helps a lot once we get the pronunciation as close as we possibly can. That helps. And then there are different rhythmic figures and different ways that you can accent certain syllables or others. Um, that can help. There are different qualities of sound you can make by shaping in the inside of the mouth differently. Um, It's not just a matter of volume, it's a matter of what quality of sound. So um, Balkan music, for example, is much more strident and really far forward in the face when you're singing. Um, And that's what we're going to do next is a Croatian song, Liepo Um, Pjeva. This one was composed by Emil Koseta to a Croatian Jew who directed several choruses in Zagreb, um, and it translates to beautifully sings the girl in the grove, slowly, quietly. She can be heard far away. So this is one of those um, one of the styles of Balkan music that has a kind of strident tone, um, and it also has a kind of call and response, and there's different kinds of either ornaments or call and response features that make some styles of music sound more like the region they're from. And this particular one from Croatia, you will hear a call and response.
1: This is Joanna Manqueros, and we'll be right back after this message from KPFA.
0: KPFA Radio is a community-powered, listener-supported radio station based in Berkeley, California. We are able to bring you this content through donations and support from our listeners. Please consider supporting KPFA through a donation by visiting www.kpfa.org donate. And now let's get back to the program. Welcome back to Music of the
1: World. The World Harmony Chorus, if you just joined us, I'm Joanna Manqueros here on Music of the World. I'm speaking with um, Betsy Blakesley, and the whole choir's here performing live for the KPFA listening audience this morning. And, uh, you know, I, one thing I was thinking of is that, you know, some choirs, especially Western classical choirs, they have auditions, right? Everybody has to do the audition if they're going to sing. How do you organize this?
3: Uh, We don't have any auditions, it's a community chorus, so everyone is welcome, whatever their level. And we always get a variety. There are some people who are accomplished musicians on an instrument and wanna learn more about vocal harmonies, so they come to learn that and expand their understanding of how the vocal parts can add to an ensemble. Um, Other people are complete beginners, some people have sung in a high school chorus or a church chorus, or they just wanna try out some different styles of music. Um, And as you can hear, if you've been with us for the hour, there's so many diverse styles to dip into and have fun with, to learn, to keep everyone interested. So we don't have auditions, but I do request rather urgently that people practice at home. And Daniel Steinberg, who founded the chorus, creates really good practice files so that each section has a practice file for each song. And he even installed a slow downer so you can slow down the practice file and learn your part slowly, which is nice for drilling. And I just wanted to correct one thing going back to the introduction, he has directed the chorus he founded starting, I think, in 1999. So it's been like 24, 25 years. I came in almost 10 years later. So for me, it's just been about 16 years.
1: Do you ever uh, compose the pieces?
3: You know, I, I've done a little composing and some arranging, but Daniel is one of the foremost arrangers of a cappella world music. So his arrangements are so much better than mine, I just let him do them.
1: Mm. and you know I don't know if I'm remembering this right but I think years ago you used to teach a kind of a pop-up singing class at the freight Do you remember yes, this
3: we did that
1: yes and um do you still do stuff like that or do you more just focus on this
3: um I like being able to enter a piece of music for a longer period of time and go deeper into it if we're going to have a pop-up instant chorus, which is what we used to do at the Freight, we have to choose pieces that are, whose arrangements are simple enough that they can sound good in a period of 90 minutes or two hours. So the arrangements can be satisfying, but they are by definition going to have to be simpler if people are going to get a feeling of satisfaction during such a short time of working with them. So I haven't done as much of that recently, but the singing in refugee camps, and then there was a summer camp. Um, with singing as its focus in Jerusalem that we did with Palestinian youth, Israeli Jewish youth, and Armenian youth. And we worked for a period that was shorter than the entire academic year, which World Harmony Chorus works with. So we took on simpler pieces and worked towards a performance that was about two weeks after the initial rehearsals began and they were teenagers they loved it they were much more pop style pieces although they drew from those three traditions
1: you know just listening to the chorus this morning it seems like the balkan sound is the most different in terms of how the singing comes out and can you talk about that and why why do they sing like that why do they have that that strident sound you know
3: well I've spent time in the Balkans. There's a lot of open space and hills, and people have to call, particularly back in the day, when, of course, cities and the density that came with them, they had to call across fields, and so they would sing with that same tone. African styles, depending on the style, can also have a strident tone, but it's a bit different, because also there are big open spaces that people would call to each other, through. So their voices had to carry. So there's a different kind of projection that's necessary in some of those geographic situations. Now that we're living in cities, um, we have learned to adjust our tone so that there's a social distance that we uh, adjust our tone to to fit. So Mm -hmm. I don't blast you with a a loud sound. And sometimes when I'm working with people from other cultures who talk a lot louder or a lot softer, it's a little bit of an adjustment for me because I'm used to what our culture does. And even in different regions of this culture or in different subgroups in our culture, there are different norms.
1: That's totally true. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was thinking also about the peace, the African peace, Baba Yetu. For the most part, the chorus is secular. Yes. But that piece was the Lord's Prayer. Did you have any questions about doing that or any feelings about it?
3: Yeah. Daniel and I both steer away from, um, for the most part, the um, religious repertoire. Because, first of all, other choruses in churches or synagogues or mosques will sing the songs of their own tradition. And it has a, a holiness when it's used in the context of a service. So to remove it from a religious service and bring it into um, a concert for entertainment for an audience that's not there as a part of a religious gathering makes it feel a bit awkward, I think. Um, So we tend not to do it, and also some people are religious and many are not, and there's lots of different, Religions represented in our chorus as well as in our society. So so we keep it to a minimum. This one, particularly since it's in another language, feels beautiful um, and feels like um, its function historically has been broad enough that we're able to adapt it to fit in with a repertoire that's broader. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm okay at the end of the day if you had to choose for your yourself when you're listening to music what's a type of music that really soothes you that really calms you down that you love
3: it again really varies depending on what i've been learning at the moment where i am if i'm traveling um i tend to listen primarily to the music i'm teaching or learning to teach so this year, it's been these seven songs. Um, and then when I travel, I try to travel places and put myself in positions where I'll hear the local music in locals' natural settings. So I uh, have an island in Greece that I go to, poor me. And my room at a B&B is over a taverna. And at night, really around midnight is when maybe the Spanish group will sing something in Spanish with an ole, and then there might be a Greek group that sings something in Greek, and then there could be uh, another group that sings something different. So I actually try to position myself to be able to hear music in its original context or its current context rather than music that's already recorded. That said, I go through different periods, different years where I'm listening primarily to, say, The Moment, a lot of Middle Eastern music and African music. Um, There were some years where I was listening a lot to Balkan music, mostly because I was in the Balkans a lot. Um, And there was a time when I was listening to a lot of Galician music because it's quite varied and has some cool rhythms.
1: You know, you you um, basically you know navigate in these professional settings here in the Bay, concerts and all this stuff. But you've been in some dangerous situations, huh?
3: I wouldn't say dangerous, really, for me. Certainly not as dangerous for me as it was for people, other people um, who had fewer resources and who couldn't just fly out if things got dicey. Um, So when I was in the Balkans during the war, the war was always like on the next island or just over the hill, or it had just left the region I was entering. So I never felt really unsafe. I've been very lucky in that way.
1: Mm -hmm. And then, of course, at the Calais jungle, it must have been quite interesting.
3: It was interesting, but I never felt unsafe. I made friends right away with people who lived there in tents, and they took care of the volunteers who made the effort to befriend them so that if we walked through, for example, the black market at night, they would flank us.
1: Mm-hmm. To protect you. Yeah. And where do you want to go next? I mean, I know you're going to be here directing the chorus, you know.
3: Uh, musically or in terms of travel? Well, actually both. Um, well, musically, I just will eat up whatever Daniel sends me because I'm thrilled with his choice of repertoire. Um, And travel-wise, there's a project that may go forward a year from now in Calais, the north of France with refugee women, um, where they get to tell their story of exile um, in a theatrical short play and then act it. And this is an iteration of an earlier project that a number of us worked on together, where our assistant directed back in 2016, where we did the same project for refugee men in Calais jungle at the time before it was demolished. And that went on tour throughout France to acclaim.
1: Wow, it sounds really interesting. Yeah,
3: it gets a little tricky because when people tell their story in situations that are more public, it can trigger the trauma. So we have to be really careful how much we ask of them to do it publicly.
1: You know, it seems to me, for the most part, you're directing a group of Americans, right? And this, these Americans are trying to sing these songs from all over the place. What is an, a piece of advice that you'd want to give singers who are trying to sing music in another language? Because you have a lot of experience with it now.
3: I think it requires a lot of drilling and listening. So much of music is listening. So if people are listening at home to the source material in the original language sung by people from that culture, they start to get a feel for that language. The same way if you watch a television series. You can find yourself suddenly using the gestures or the voice of some character. you identify. Same thing happens when we listen to piece of music repeatedly. And we we try to have as much diversity in the chorus as we can. There's always some people who grew up in other cultures, which is always great, particularly if we're singing something from their culture. And they help with the pronunciation and the context. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And what about basic advice for singing better?
3: Uh, listening is a big part of it. Um, Taking lessons or singing in a choir can help. Um, mostly we think singing loud is better, but it, um, if I had one piece of advice for people who haven't had a lot of singing lessons, it would be to try to really get as good a tone quality as possible at a sh- smaller volume, and then see if we can maintain that as the volume increases, rather than just going wide and broad with the... With the uh, the way that we're sending out the airwaves.
1: So you're not recommending just blasting out?
3: No. It's fun. It can be fun, <laughs> but it doesn't usually lead to a good sound.
1: Uh-huh. And then you you then you'd have different parts that were a lot louder than others.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I'm proud of this chorus. I think they did a great job at being able to sing loud and soft and keep the rhythm and keep the quality of sound where we wanted it.
1: I will say they are getting restless back there. They're stretching out, they're stamping around.
3: <laughs> So we're going to sing a song in English called Remember Us Always. We're
1: going to be going till 1058, just Mm -hmm. so you know.
3: Right. So we have two more songs. Okay. And we could do them back to back. No. No, never mind. Um, This one is written and arranged by an American, Alice Gerard. And um, as usual with our arrangements, our founding director, Daniel Steinberg, expanded the arrangement to make it a little more interesting.
1: Many chorus here live in the KPFA performance studio. You know, from your perspective, Betsy, uh, Betsy Blakesley is the director. Which of the four parts is the most difficult and why?
3: Huh. To sing well. I think, well. I think well. the most difficult part is the part that is not well suited to one's voice. So a tenor part is a little bit of a struggle for me because it's at my low end. So I sing like I'm whispering on the low tenor parts. Um, a soprano part can be difficult if your voice isn't naturally high because it can be shrieky in quality, although we have some brave sopranos who were naturally feeling more alto-ish who have pitched in in the soprano section for balance, which uh, for which I'm very grateful. Um, the bass part requires a lot of really precise rhythms in our arrangement, so that that's where the challenge for the basses is, but we have a really lovely and full bass section this year, which is a blessing. Choruses often are wanting basses. So uh, the alto section is easier to uh, hide away in because it's often a larger section, and comfortable to sing because it's a speaking range for women. Um, That said, all of the parts have the a challenge attached to them, which is how to sing that part in that song, in that moment, as well as possible.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's funny, you know, I was listening to it thinking about the tenors, and how they kind of are in the middle, and it must be hard to get that note all the time. They're in between everybody. You
3: sometimes know? the start note is, but sometimes in our arrangements, what Daniel does is he tries to move the melody around. So some songs like A de Carolina, the tenors had the melody. Um, And in other songs, it will be the sopranos or the altos, or occasionally the basses, although they don't get to have the melody quite as often.
1: All right, and um, where would somebody who wanted to join the chorus find you? Where do they go? So they could
3: just Google World Harmony Chorus or Betsy Blakesley, and they will find us. Um, We have three branches, one in Santa Cruz, one in Palo Alto, and ours is in the East Bay. Um, so they could google and um, we're about to move from Oakland to Berkeley we start up a new semester in October October 10th and go for a few months uh, which people can try out for a couple of times see if they like it and then they um, pay though no one is turned away for a lack of funds and they commit to the semester people can join at any time more experienced singers join partway through the semester Beginners should start at the beginning of the semester or close to it. And then we have a second semester in the spring, so we go from October to June.
1: Wow, wow. You ever get somebody who's very timid at first, and then they get more confident? A lot. (laughs) Awesome.
3: Yeah.
1: What's your next piece?
3: Our last piece is Esperando na Janela. It's a popular Brazilian song composed in 1999 by Godin... Almeida and do Acordeon. It was recorded by Gilberto Gil. It's from Northeastern Brazil. And it's one of the versions of love, which has, as you were just saying, a kind of timidity to it. I'm going to her house to tell her of my love. She's waiting for me by the window, but the idea is I hope she's waiting for me by the window, and I hope things go well.
1: Harmony Chorus has been here live this morning on Music of the World. That was beautiful. It sounds like the chorus was really, you know, in their glory on that one, Betsy. Now, That's a fun one. Yeah, in terms of the fall, um, where do you think you might perform this coming year?
3: Um, well, we're probably going to be rehearsing... Uh, on the, what's called, I think now the, called the First Church and the East Bay School for Boys, um, Durant Dana near Telegraph in Berkeley, South Berkeley. And what that means is that we have yet to figure out whether we could do an indoor concert theater. We'll probably do one at a farmer's market. Um, we like to do three or four a year, so a couple in the winter a couple in the spring, later in the spring, late May, June. So, um, we don't have any more now uh, until we learn the new repertoire starting October 10th.
1: So like in the middle of the winter?
3: Yeah, late winter is when we usually start performing, um, end of January, beginning of February.
1: And what's the ideal number for a chorus?
3: Oh, we can always take more. We have about 40 singers now. Um and, you know, there's somebody's traveling and someone doesn't feel well, so at any given rehearsal it's fewer than that. But I'd like to see another 10 people join. It's been We've been up to a bit as high as about 55. It was a nice size as well.
1: And that gives you a bigger sound?
3: Gets a bigger sound, and I think people learn their parts faster because more people in their section will pick it up quickly, and that helps everybody who's taking a little bit more time to learn the part. Yeah. So
1: it's kind of like the, the theory in the chorus is some people who get it faster, lift everybody else up.
3: Yes, but some people get the languages faster, others get the rhythm faster, others get melodic patterns faster. So it's not like one person has it all. And oh, that's why it requires everybody.
1: Betsy Blakesley, thank you so much for coming in this morning with the World Harmony Chorus. I'm gonna have them do one more round of applause okay. for each other, for Betsy.
3: Thank you, Julie.
1: Music of the world here on KPFA. You've been listening to Music of the World with Joanna Manqueros and Tawfiq Halaby. You can find us on kpfa.org and at 94.1 FM.
0: I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you want to find more KPFA Radio content, log on to www.kpfa.org. Also follow us on social media by visiting Facebook at KPFA 94.1 and Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KPFA Radio. Plus, check out our KPFA TV video content on YouTube and Twitch.tv at KPFA Radio. Subscribe to this podcast and stay updated to when we release episodes of shows representing the best of KPFA Radio.